How's it going, everybody? This podcast is brought to you by Rise Make Life Workout, a health, self-development, and lifestyle platform building a passionate community of knowledge seekers, creative dreamers, and future leaders. For details on the latest Rise event that will feature expert speakers in the field of self-development and growth, check out www.rise-workout.com. That's www.rise-workout.com. Enjoy the show. to another episode of Rise Optimize, where we make science simple to help you optimize your health. I'm Sinead Biman, and today I'm joined by Dr. Sharp. Hi, Sinead. Hello. And today we are talking about returning to exercise post-COVID. Yeah, we are. This has been something that has been a discussion point for me with various people over the last two weeks, especially, as yeah. we're all trying to dodge COVID or people have had it. Yeah. Um, it's a very sort of real thing now for lots of people. Definitely. And, yeah. yeah. And I, so I think that it, that will cover quite a lot. Everything from hopefully information that people who are quite anxious about returning to exercise after COVID might, you know, worries that they might have about risks mm-hmm. to the people who are really anxious to get back into exercise after COVID because they're worried about uh, losing fitness and stuff. Hopefully, yeah. generally we have pretty good news and hopefully we, people find it reassuring. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, there's already a lot of information circling about the do's and don'ts. And I think some of it may be relevant, some may be, be a bit outdated. So I think it'll be good to sort of clear some of that noise up as well. Yeah, right for sure. Yeah. So starting off, if someone thinks they're getting sick, should they rest or should they keep exercising? Yeah, so in short, the answer with this, if you think that you're starting to get sick and you're currently training really hard or you've got a super intense or prolonged session planned, you know, that I'm talking like running a marathon if you don't run a marathon all the time or or you're in a really hard part of your training cycle, then it it's a smart idea, I think, to consider not doing that super intense or prolonged training session, you know, when you're starting to think that you might be sick, or if you do happen to have the knowledge that you've been exposed to Mm -hmm. somebody with COVID, you have a bit more control over what stress you decide to place on your body at that point in time. It doesn't mean you can't exercise at all, but I would consider dialing back some of the intensity and the volume just for the next few days until you determine whether you've actually been infected or not or you come down sick yeah that seems i would think somewhat common sense but maybe not for for a lot of people that if you're starting to not feel 100 percent, that you should probably dial back what yeah. you're doing a little bit and like you said just just for the next few days to see if those slight symptoms that you might feeling or just feeling a bit off if that does progress into something mm-hmm. or if in a few days time you actually think oh no i'm actually feeling all good yeah and then you can get back into what you're doing yeah it does seem like very intuitive advice i agree i think that sometimes there can be and i've been you know guilty of doing this it's sort of like oh crap i better fit in everything i can into like <laughs> yeah so because i'm not going to be able to exercise soon but what one of the the reasons why doing this is a smart idea is because from the research into this, particularly from animal models, where they've actually been able to, you know, look at what happens when you infect an animal with 
either like a virus or a, a bacterial infection where you expose them to it and you either get them to exercise really intensely or not, those animals that had to do the intense exercise, you see a higher rate of infection take hold and then also the severity of the symptoms is worse as well in that mm-hmm. case. And obviously we're kind of extrapolating into humans from those animal studies because it's hard to do that kind of study in mm. humans obviously you can't go around yeah. like want to sign up and yeah. like and get infected with this virus yeah. um there's very few studies like that but it sort of relates back to that you just you're adding potentially an extra stress and it, it might lead to a bit more risk of becoming infected and, and more severe symptoms and it's something that you can control you know you can control whether or not you go really hard or just pull it back for mm a day after yeah. you know like your mate that you've been hanging out with just got covid mm. and you're like oh crap okay another thing to think about too and this is just sort of general wellness advice but it is those non-exercise factors as well so like mm. your sleep sleep's really important for your immune function so mm. making it a priority that's something you and Marwan talk about a lot i know mm. and nutrition it's also mm-hmm. not the time to be restricting calories and yeah and that sort of thing yeah. as well so so really looking at like really anything that is adding an extra stress to the body when really that infection that you might have is already going to be a stress on the body mm-hmm. and you kind of need your immune system to be a hundred percent but yeah. if you're going too hard or not sleeping enough and restricting what you're eating there are going to be other stresses that your immune system will probably not then be as able to cope. Yes, exactly, yeah. And it's not to say that exercise, like regular exercise, is bad for your immune system. We Mm. know, like, unequivocally that it's great for your immune system. Mm. It's an an incredibly good thing for you to be doing regularly to maintain good immune function. It's just if you are going to hit a session really hard, or it's prolonged or exhaustive, then you do get a level of immunosuppression after that. And that's Mm -hmm. where you sort of have this window of time where you're perhaps more likely to get infected. Yeah. Yeah. So should we touch on, I guess, what would be that moderate intensity? So if, like you said, someone should probably avoid going Mm. super hard, what would be, I guess, a moderate level? Yeah. So... It's, I'm glad that you asked that. So the moderate intensity, basically, it's a lot easier to translate it in terms of endurance exercise, a little bit harder when it comes to strength exercise, but it's around 50 to 60% of your heart rate max. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, no, 50 to 70 of yeah. your heart rate max. Um, if you're rating that out of 10 in terms of like, I ask you, how hard do you feel you're exercising right now, Sinead? you would be rating it between like a four and a six. Mm-hmm. So it's somewhat hard. It's yeah. not uh, It's not so light that you, you feel like you're doing nothing or you can freely talk. It's a bit breathy, but it's also not at that like higher end. Uh, the other thing that's coupled with intensity when you're talking about sort of stress that's on the body is, you know, the duration of it too. So how long you're doing that for, mm-hmm. Depending on your fitness level and what kind of training you're used to, that is a factor as well. If Mm. you're an endurance cyclist and you're used to going out every day for like at least two or three hours, then dialing back looks different to someone whose regular exercise every day is maybe 45 minutes to an hour at the gym. Mm. So, you know. And so if someone was to test positive for COVID, what should they then do about their training? I mean, some of this advice really is um, is 
applicable just to when you get sick generally. Yeah. Uh, there's something that some people might have heard of called the below the neck check, mm-hmm. which is a one sort of heuristic or rule of thumb that people can use when they're trying to decide whether, you know, I'm sick, should I exercise or not? And so basically what that is, is is if you have, if you're experiencing symptoms that are above the neck, meaning like you've got a sore throat, you have a runny nose, um, a cough that isn't sort of really chesty, and you, importantly, you don't have fever or muscle aches, that sort of extreme tiredness, then what you can do is I mean, I'd still rest for the period of time that your symptoms are quite bad and it's uncomfortable to exercise, but you can do up to moderate exercise during that time. And luckily we just touched on what that that Mm. sort of looks like. Mm -hmm. It's thought to be, you know, not overly harmful to your recovery. It's not going to prolong it. Uh, It's also not going to speed it up if you Mm -hmm. add exercise in, but you can do it. Um, And it's not dangerous either. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's if you've got exercise below the neck. The other thing with that too is you can start to reintroduce your normal level of training a bit earlier uh, if that's what you have experienced. So like one to two days after your symptoms of above the neck resolve, mm-hmm. then you mm-hmm. can start to like ramp back up to your, your pre-sickness levels. Yeah. The symptoms, if you have symptoms below the neck, which is going to be quite applicable for many people who are symptomatic with COVID, it seems like lots of people are experiencing things like fever, they're getting the extreme tiredness, they're achy, they've got swollen lymph glands, then it's really important to just rest completely while you mm-hmm. have that. Yeah, Don't don't push it. What that means yeah. is that, that several organ systems are being affected by the infection in your body and your immune system needs you to have its back and mm. just let it, let it do its job. Mm. Yep. Um, it needs all energy you've got on board to help fight the infection, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So once you, and with that, once you start to resolve those, um, those symptoms, you can start to reintroduce light to moderate intensity exercise, depending on how you're feeling, but do it gradually. So give you, you know, the recommendation is give yourself like up to two to four weeks, but you can largely go on feel in that case. Mm-hmm. Just be smart about it, really. Yeah. yeah. That's a, definitely a good um Rules to remember, though, the above the neck, below the neck in regards to your symptoms and then based on those symptoms, like you said, whether that be light exercise or just complete rest until mm. until the, your body's feeling like it can do something. Yeah, your body's really smart. It's going to tell you that it's mm. not in a state to be doing exercise. You're going to feel horrid yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got those some of those symptoms that are below the neck and you don't want to just be like essentially trying to pick a fight with your body Yeah. while it's got its freaking like resources and artillery out fighting a war on your behalf. Like yeah. just let it do its job yeah. um, and don't, don't feel rushed to get uh, back to exercise in, mm. in that sense. Just let them run their course. Yeah. yeah. So are there many risks associated with physical activity after COVID? I think this is an interesting area because, I mean, I I personally have, myself, I, I have 
had a difficult time like just keeping up with the level of information that's coming out mm. on the different risks associated with COVID then adding exercise back into it it can be dizzying for mm. for me as someone who like consumes a lot of science regularly I can't even imagine what it's like for people who are just like I just want to know whether or not I can go back to exercise you know yeah. or like yeah um it, some of the stuff can sound really scary so um I, yeah I think this is a good good area to to touch upon so the risk that is probably the most relevant when it comes to COVID and and reintroducing physical activity and it's been like talked about heaps people worry about it a lot is complications that can happen with COVID and your heart Mm -hmm. so the the one that's often talked about is people developing myocarditis viral viral myocarditis after having a COVID infection and so basically what that is myocarditis meaning muscle cardio meaning your heart itis meaning inflammation Mm -hmm. so the virus essentially in some cases for people it gets into the cells of the muscle cells of the heart and starts to affect those uh, starts to kill off some of those cells and then you get an associated inflammation of that the risk of introducing exercise when you do have myocarditis if you have myocarditis is basically it's a big one it's sudden death that's (laughs) the big uh, that's the big risk associated with it so Mm -hmm. it's scary it's not um it's not trivial that's Mm. for sure and so that's why exercising if you have myocarditis is dangerous and something that people are concerned about and also with covid there does seem to be a higher risk of of developing myocarditis. Early on, when we first had those initial variants of COVID come through, it was quite staggering, some of the numbers, like coming out with this, the percentage of people that were showing uh, injury to the heart Mm. associated with the illness. You know, we established kind of, oh, that's that's in people who... Uh, have severe or moderate to severe COVID and are, you know, in a certain age bracket or have a bunch of other illnesses. Mm -hmm. And then we started to see, we saw a study come out or a couple of studies come out that showed similar kinds of presentations of that in people who were young as well. There's a Mm -hmm. couple of studies in college athletes that showed it. And initially the percentage of those was quite high. Since then, they've done a much larger study and shown that the risk is actually a lot lower than they initially thought, particularly in it, specifically in that group of people who are athletes. So that number is about 0.6 to 0.7 in, in, in those studies where they looked at what proportion of people ended up showing evidence of heart injury in athletes. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, six in a thousand. Yeah, yeah. quite low. Quite low, a lot lower than what we initially what we were initially were hearing. Yeah, and I I imagine a lot of people who are listening to this fall into the category of being quite fit. Mm. I don't want to go too far in like extrapolating that out from athletes to a fit population, but you can sort of imagine that you know it's not going to be as high as what those earlier reports were mm. in, in a fit population. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yes, there's a risk of myocarditis with COVID. It's not as high as what we initially thought. Also, if you have mild COVID and asymptomatic COVID, the risk is less than if you have moderate or 
severe COVID mm-hmm. as well. So that's another sort of important point to make because mm-hmm. uh, people, most people are probably going to experience one of those too. Yeah. Another thing, another point is that you can get myocarditis like with the flu. It's a risk with the flu too. Yeah. And really it comes down to making sure that you follow sort of that below the net check and resting when you have the symptoms of the systemic systems, the systems, uh, the symptoms of fever and chills and things completely rest until you resolve those and mm-hmm. you'll likely not have to worry about this mm. too much. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd heard similar that something <clears throat> like myocarditis, it is, it is likely sometimes that you could be already having symptoms of that at rest. And so obviously if you were to exercise, it's going to exacerbate those oh, symptoms. Yes, yeah, so yeah. I, I would think for a lot of people, if they were at risk of myocarditis, they'd likely already have some of those symptoms, whether it's just, you know, chest pain, getting out of bed or walking around the house that they already feel a bit mm. iffy um, or they're or having a high heart rate, even just at rest or, or mobilizing around the house. So like you said, it is, it's listening to your body before you then decide to, to push it into exercise. If yeah. it's already, you know, struggling with just moving around the house, pushing it. Yeah, and certainly if if you had, so just because, you know, you're less likely to get it if you had mild COVID or asymptomatic COVID, it doesn't mean your risk is zero. Mm -hmm. If you're experiencing things like what you just said, where you you notice that you feel breathless or you're having chest pain or you're like, you have this loss of fitness when you get Mm -hmm. back into exercise that's marked and it does not make sense given how long you took off, I mean, especially if you had asymptomatic COVID, Mm -hmm. um, then go and see a doctor because just be aware of them. Don't worry about it too much, but just Mm. be mindful and sort of like check in with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is something like myocarditis, is it less likely with the Omicron variant that's going around given that that is obviously a milder version compared to the previous variants we've had Mm. in that for most people, they are just getting more the sore throat slight headache fever is it is it likely then to say that myocarditis is less of a of a risk now with omicron or still potentially could be the same risk for people i don't uh, i don't know the answer to that question actually i think that your line of thinking is correct and in that it probably is less but it hasn't been quantified yet or at least uh the those results i couldn't find them when i was looking for them yeah but because we're continually like finding out more about each of these different variants and so uh, yeah a lot of the like we talked about before a lot of the data came from some of those earlier ones but i i agree with you that i think it's probably likely to be a lower risk factor with omicron than earlier um but i guess time will tell yeah yeah yeah. with like you said more research coming out probably on this on this current variant versus the previous ones that we've had so now that we've covered some of the risks and worries that people may have Mm. what would you say is sort of specific advice around covid yeah exercising i mean I, i i sort of use those terms of like asymptomatic mild moderate severe before without really defining what they mean I think most people will have a pretty good intuition about what they mean but it's that's a good way of sort of stratifying the level of severity that people in -hmm. terms of the symptoms that they have with COVID when they do get it so and and by stratifying it that way you can kind of cater the advice to each of those groups a little Mm -hmm. bit more closely I think which it can be helpful so I think we go through 
probably mild and asymptomatic and then touch on moderate and above yeah it yeah might be a good way to approach it definitely well like you said it's the advice is going to be slightly different if you are mild and asymptomatic versus someone that's maybe more moderate and symptomatic um, yeah yeah so if you tested positive for covid and you're experiencing symptoms associated with it if you have mild covid what it means is that it can be managed at home so you're not, you know, you're not experiencing such severe symptoms that it's requiring mm-hmm. you to go in and see a doctor. I was trying um, to tell Marlon that when he had it the other week. I was like, this is mild. But he was like, hey, well, how do you know what mild is? He's like, it might be mild for someone else. But for me, this is severe. And yeah. I'm like, you have a headache, fever, and a sore throat. This, that is mild. Yeah. So, the, um, yeah, it, it does seem a bit, a bit mean to call it mild when there's people who are literally just like, they feel like they're dying because yeah. having a fever can feel like that. But a differentiation between like mild and moderate for example is that you start to in in a in a moderate case of covid people will start to have difficulty breathing and potentially their oxygen saturation starts to fall not below 94 normally we keep our blood oxygen levels above 95 at sea level like very happily normally Mm. i mean closer to like 99 percent 98 percent um saturation so when that starts to fall it sort of suggests that your lungs are having difficulty or there's some there's some part that's obstructing oxygen Mm -hmm. from from getting into your blood and that needs medical attention when you're mild covid you'll have those you will have fever and chills and a cough perhaps and a sore throat but yeah you're not having chest pain or trouble yeah. breathing and and things like that the other thing with mild is there's a, quite a large spectrum of what people experience that can be everything from like feeling pretty much unencumbered by the symptoms that you're having you might just have a sore throat and be like oh i feel a bit crap to you're like it's hard to sit up yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you, you just want to lie in bed all day yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah um, but the key is your organs aren't compromised to the point that they're not working properly. Everything mm. is working okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's sort of what mild is. The advice there when it comes to exercise is to avoid exercising completely when you're having, when you're experiencing fever. Those more sort of severe below the neck mm. symptoms don't exercise. It's the same as sort of what we spoke about before. Now, when it feels like you've shaken off those symptoms and you're above the neck symptoms have started to ease to the point that your ability to go about everyday life is feeling like it's coming back, then you can start to introduce light activity. The advice in in a bunch of the guidelines that they've put out in the literature for that is you, you you sort of do that for the next seven days and then you phase your return back up to pre-illness exercise gradually. So Mm -hmm. the seven days after that, you start building it up to moderate exercise and and so on. Oh, and then moderate with more volume, and then you're back to your pre-illness level sort of like a week at each stage. The actual duration of that for each person might look a little bit different because you can to some degree, if you've recovered and you're feeling generally well, you can start to do that by feel Mm, yeah you know obviously if you try introduce something and then you feel like it's knocked you or you start to get symptoms again wind it back back. yeah Yeah. Um, and what about those that sort of may test positive but are completely asymptomatic so they may have no symptoms whatsoever and feel 
completely fine. Feel 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And be like, this, this is a false positive. Yeah. I'm good. The test is lying. <laughs> yeah. Over that time period that, you know, everybody was getting COVID in the last two weeks, there was one friend of mine who was asymptomatic and <laughs> every time we asked how they were doing, the, the emoji came through of like 100 and I'm sure that the other people in that group chat <laughs> who were feeling like shit just yeah. got antagonized. Like, yeah. how dare you? I yeah. feel like crap. But yeah, so those people who are asymptomatic, it's kind of interesting because this is one of the ones where the below the neck check is sort of doesn't really apply based on mm. on the guidelines that have been published so far. Mm. Um, we don't know as much about asymptomatic cases and you know what the effect of COVID is having on people who present asymptomatic so the recommendation is conservative it actually suggests that you take it that you rest as well for up to two weeks um which sounds like a lot right like dramatic yeah 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 (laughs) potentially so and I guess if I reflect on that for what I would do personally, my tolerance to the risk of exercising during that time, I probably would take the approach of resting for the first sort of like that period where you're testing positive and then mm. um, ramp back up in that next week back to pre my you know pre positive mm. levels quickly. But that's just that's sort of my personal take on it because I sort of don't feel like I would lose that much by resting. Mm. Can think well, like a few days. Let's say a deload week, really. If you're just yeah. taking a few days, and especially in that you may be asymptomatic initially, and those symptoms might come mm. two, three days later after you've tested positive. So, like you said, at least maybe those first three to five days just kind of pulling back and seeing how you feel each day Mm. in that symptoms may come or you may still say asymptomatic and just wait till you get that negative test to then sort of yeah build back up yeah exactly the I mean the other thing too with that is that they're not saying to do absolutely nothing it's not like you're you should go and just bed rest for the 14 days like never yeah (laughs) light activity is included in that as well so you know obviously relative to your fitness level light activity will look different for different people Mm. but still go out do your chores and you know normal activities other other than the like intense exercise you're obviously not going to be able to go to the gym but yeah because you you'll have to be isolating at least here so yeah just dial it back that's that's a recommendation anyway so Yeah. yeah it does still baffle me sometimes that that the thought of bed rest gets out there now and again. Well, I guess it's different experiences that people have had or different um, information that they've consumed over the years. But when people are like, oh, you're sick or you're unwell, you should mm. just stay in bed. But um, I always remind people that even people in ICU don't get complete bed rest. Yeah. There's always <laughs> a physio there. Like, sort of them, like, get up now, okay? Even the ones that are, like, completely, you know, on life support there'll still be nurses or physios moving their limbs like trying mm-hmm. to get the blood flowing and get them moving so um yeah complete bed rest is is never yeah never the answer but like you said definitely dialing things down it might just be going for a the walk yeah, or sticking to walks for a period yeah. of time and then you know you can you can re-enter exercise probably a bit faster than if you're coming back from well definitely a bit faster than if you're coming back from mild covid yeah yeah, yeah. 
And now we've touched on the different extremes of the scale and the other extreme would be those that don't want to rest, even though they may be sick because they don't want to lose their fitness. Oh, yeah. They want to lose their gains. So regardless <laughs> of the, the positive test and maybe the symptoms, they're still like, no, I must train. Yeah, this is, I mean, I'm guilty of this um, mindset. I, oh, I'm not, not so much anymore, maybe mm. when I was younger. And I can relate to it, definitely. We all yep. sort of get a bit antsy when, especially if exercises, people don't just exercise for the performance gains and stuff they're they're exercising for a lot of other reasons too and the thought of one losing their fitness if they're really invested in it and two not being able to exercise is like oh god Mm. what Um, am I meant to do Yeah. yeah exactly yeah so actually this is one this is an area where like I come bearing quite good news and that is that there's no need to panic and your fitness losses across the time course of say you have like asymptomatic the recommendation for asymptomatic covid while conservative is like you know up to two weeks of like pulling back Mm. the same with moderate covid it's likely that you know you're looking at severe disruption to your activity for about a week probably Mm. for most people it seems like they're they're experiencing those horrible symptoms where you shouldn't be exercising for up to that and Mm. then can start reintroducing moderate exercise in the next week so maybe a disruption to your normal level of training for up to three weeks in that period of time your losses are practically negligible really in the in the wider scheme of things Mm. Uh, if we want to put a percentage on it it seems like in these detraining studies where they actually you know they get a group of people and they benchmark them at the beginning tell them you can't exercise anymore mm-hmm. and look at them uh, further down the track that can be any period of time from three weeks up to six months it looks like people lose fitness at about two percent to three percent per week mm-hmm. and so fitness meaning I'm, I'm sort of referring to different measures but that would be things like your plasma volume muscle strength your the oxidative capacity of your cells mm-hmm. and then your performance me- metrics like vo2 max power output time to fatigue so that sounds it might sound like a lot to some people to me that sounds like nothing personally <laughs> um also so what essentially what that means or well, two weeks off max you're probably not going to be able to do exercise and you might come back five percent less fit than what you mm. were if you had a whole month then maybe ten percent less fit than what you were when you do come back to it a lot of what you feel like you've lost it might feel like oh god I'm so unfit I feel so gumby and uncoordinated I can't, you know mm. a lot of that is your perception mm. <laughs> also and this is something you can probably speak to as well with your physio background too a lot of so the, a lot of the adaptations that we have when we train the ones that come first are the ones that we then lose first when mm. we start to to detrain or we stop doing exercise so one of those is that the neural drive to muscle or the neuromuscular like patterns Mm -hmm. of um, activation and things like that you adapt very quickly when you start training and start to get better movement patterns quite quickly Mm -hmm. some of the more structural adaptations like you know muscle like size or some of the changes in endurance capacity like 
they'll take a lot longer for, for you to develop. And so you'll regain those quite quickly, the, yeah. the ones that you managed to sort of lose out on in the two weeks or so that you weren't able to train as much, you'll regain those quite quickly. It doesn't reflect that you've atrophied by a mm. significant amount in yeah. the period of time that you've been off. So it's sort of reassuring. Yeah. Yeah, in that sense. The other the part of that that is really interesting is that there isn't a one-to-one ratio between the amount of time that that it takes to lose those adaptations and the amount of time that it takes to get them back Mm -hmm. when you're when you've gone through a period of detraining it actually looks like you can regain what you lost in about half the time okay so you know you you had to take a month off you'll regain the fitness that you lost in about two Two weeks. weeks yeah and yeah, th- that comes from the studies that are done in older men. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this is one of those situations where it's unfortunate that we don't have studies from a wider population group. But mm-hmm. at the same time, the outlook is probably even more positive. Like if you take that, that's the case in older men, mm. you know, at that age, you get sort of hormonal changes that are going to affect your ability to adapt to exercise. Mm. If you're trying to sort of think about is there any reason why that wouldn't ap- apply yeah to a younger population to, yeah, or, yeah. or females you're kind of like yeah. oh you know it's the outlook is probably even better in those populations yeah if, especially if you're coming back to exercise fully healthy yeah yeah and i think the times that if i've had the odd cold or even with the lockdowns in the previous two years sometimes just having a week or two off I've actually and as much as part of me has thought oh I'm probably gonna lose a bit of my fitness Mm. I've usually once I've got back into things have actually felt better like have actually felt like oh no I can still lift heavy or I still can do whatever it's usually that that deload week has actually been good for me yeah yeah, so so often people like you said they spend that time worrying that they're they're losing their gains when really if they're training quite consistently quite regularly sometimes a week off can be exactly what they need. Yes, exactly, for sure. So if you get COVID, it could be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, sort of reframe it in that that way, I think. So, I mean, I mentioned before those detraining studies are normally from three weeks Mm. more in terms of how long they restrict people from exercising. We're talking about, for most people, in the like mild case of COVID, we're talking about up to that, probably even less before you mm. realistically can start actually introducing exercise mm. back in. And I almost wouldn't call that like detraining a period of like zero to two weeks. It's yeah. sort of like, you know, or it will be more than zero, one to two weeks. That's mm. a rest yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's similar to, again, or if you go on a holiday and you're not training regular on a holiday and you come back, I don't think you feel that you lose a lot, mm. especially if you yeah, are still trying to keep up with sleep and focus on those other things. Yeah. It's really helping everything recover. So, mm. um, yeah. There's some really interesting work, actually, uh, and this won't be as applicable if you're suffering from sickness. You won't be able to operationalize this, but there's some work that suggests that you know, say you do go on a holiday or something like that and you're worried about losing your fitness, you can actually defend portions of your or like components of your fitness by doing really sort of targeted sessions at a much lower volume. So say, you know, you you have to pull down in a week, you, you normally train like five days, you had to pull it down to two. If you're, if you want to sort of defend your ability to exercise at 
like your anaerobic threshold, then doing a session or two sessions in that time that are targeted towards that will actually allow you to defend that over that co- the course uh, of time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sort of. It's just quite interesting. Like obviously, fitness gains are reversible. That that's just a fact of life. Yeah. But it's not as big of a catastrophe as what you might think it yeah. is. Yeah, especially if you're smart about it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And like you said, for a lot of people, it it may be a week, maybe max two weeks that you're having to. For some, maybe just pulling back mm. for that one to two weeks. Um, for some people, maybe nothing for, yeah. for a week. But like you said, it's really not probably going to impact on their fitness and training as much as, as they think. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I guess to summarise that if you do have mild COVID or even if you're asymptomatic, you are sort of just taking it easy, pulling back from what you'd usually do for those few days or week that you maybe have those symptoms, whether it is above the Mm. above the neck you can sort of probably still take things quite steady if you've got below the neck you want to sort of rest for those days that you do have those maybe muscle aches or fever Mm. um and things like that and then gradually building your training up as you feel able yes yeah exactly don't don't go back into it guns blazing feeling like you have to make up for lost time that's not a good way to come back into it because like we talked about if you if you do a session and you find like, oh no, I, I do not feel good after that. If you if you have gone from like not much or very light to a hundred really quickly, then you know you're potentially just shooting yourself in the foot. Just mm. ease back into it, go by feel, be honest with yourself, and don't panic too much. <laughs> yep, I yeah, I think that's great advice because I think <laughs> often if we're worrying as well, that can just make things a whole lot worse, especially our immune system because really it's another stress in the body if we're mm. worrying as well. So um, if anyone has any more questions or want more advice on this, where can they find you? Yeah, sure. So I'm on Instagram at Charlie J Connell. Awesome. Um, and make sure you're following along at We Are Rise NZ. And that's us. Yeah, awesome. I think. Thanks, Sinead. <laughs>